Again, good morning. So good to see you all this morning, whether you're here in person with us or worshiping online. We are so glad that you're here, and we hope that you will have a very happy 4th of July. I hope that this is the whole weekend, as I know, a weekend of celebration, and we hope that it's a good one and a safe one, and that you enjoy time with family, but we thank God for the wonderful country that we live in and all of the freedoms that it provides. You know, years ago, when I first started preaching, even before that probably, when I first started getting up in front of an assembly just to do announcements, I would look at the back wall. I would look over everyone's head. That's what someone told me to do, and it was good advice. <laughs> just out of pure nerves, it was a lot easier to look over everybody but over time, I grew more comfortable looking at you. And man, what a blessing it is to be able and see you. And through the years, I see a lot. Uh, even though I'm preaching up here, uh, I don't miss what happens in the pews. And I, I see you sleeping, so wake up. Uh, and in years gone by, I saw you writing notes. Now you just text one another. And I've seen you on Facebook. And I've seen you play games on your phone. Or maybe just tic-tac-toe on a piece of paper. That's what I used to see. I see so much more than that now. You know, Justin mentioned last year, and as we incorporated Blessed Be Your Name in the, in the worship, it, it reminded me also, during that time, I spent about five months collectively between the, the two times we were apart just preaching to a camera. Just me and Dave, no one else, hoping, <laughs> hoping and praying someone would actually watch it and that it might be a source of encouragement for somebody somewhere. But I really grew to despise it because I couldn't see you. And after that time, I don't, I don't take that time for granted because now when I look out, I see souls. I see souls that are struggling. I see souls that are at peace. I see souls that are battling. I see souls that are going through grief. I see souls that are experiencing doubt. I see souls that are faithful. And it's especially those faithful souls that I'm very thankful for. Because I know, I know that God can do great things through the lives of you. Your faithful souls. God can accomplish so much if you'll allow Him to. We pick up in our study today in Acts chapter 14. And here in Acts chapter 14, we're going to see Paul and Barnabas in a town called Lystra. And in this town, there's going to be a conversation between Paul and another man. And while we don't know anything about the conversation itself, we certainly know the outcome of the conversation. And the outcome of the conversation is, due to this man's faith, his life was changed forever. 
So he was a man who had a faithful soul. And Paul looked at him and knew that. So let's go to our text and see what we read. This is Acts 14, verse 9. He listened to Paul speaking. And Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well. What did he need to be made well from? Well, you back up to the previous verse. Verse 8, Now at Lister there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. Did this man have the faith to be healed? Obviously he did. But I think his faith ran even deeper than just the faith to be healed from this debilitating, crippling disease. He had a deeper faith than that. You see, this, this Greek word here, to be made well, while it does carry with it the idea of a physical healing, it also carries with it the idea of someone being rescued. Someone being saved. So this man had faith that he could be saved. This man had faith that he could be healed. This man had faith that he could be made well. He listened to Paul speaking. Paul looking intently at him, seeing he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, Stand upright on your feet! And he sprang up and began walking. The healing of this man confirms, or at least it should confirm to all of us, what God wants to do in our life. He wants to make us well. So I want to ask you this morning, do you need God to make you well? Do you need God to heal you today? And let me answer for you. The answer is yes. For every single one of us, the answer is yes. Because all of us here are crippled to some degree or another. It may be a physical crippling, but more times than not, it's an emotional, a spiritual crippling that so many of us deal with. That so many of us struggle through and suffer with. We come in here from week to week acting as if we have no problems in the world when that's simply not the reality. The reality is we are crippled in many ways. Many unseen ways. We're crippled by anxiety and by addiction and by abuse. We're crippled by family tension and financial stress. We're crippled by job insecurity. We're crippled by things like self-doubt and, and depression and grief and guilt and hurt and frustration and fear. We're crippled by these things and by so many more. Listen, if we could all look around and see one another for who we really are and what we're really struggling with, what we would see is that every single one of us is crippled and broken, and in desperate need of help. And there's only one. There is only one who can provide the help that we all need. You see, the good news today is this. Even though we're all broken, even though we're all crippled, that our God can do for us the same as He did for that man in Lystra. He can make us whole. He can set us free. He can make us well once more if, if we have faith. Well, that's a key part of this. You see, it doesn't matter what it is that, that might be crippling you. 
If anyone knew what it was like to have something holding them back, surely it would have been the Apostle Paul. He knew what it meant to overcome. He knew what it meant to face hurdles. He knew what it meant to face hardships. He knew what it meant to face persecution. Yet in spite of everything the Apostle Paul faced, he still knew the joy of Jesus Christ could help him to continue to always press forward. Listen to what he would write to the church in Philippi. In Philippians. Dave, would you advance that for me? Philippians chapter 4, beginning of verse 12, it says, I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Nothing or no one can help us moving forward the way that our God can. He can make us whole. He can make us well again. But let me ask you, when God looks at you, what does He see? Because He certainly sees a lot more than I do. When God looks at you, what does He see? Does He see a person of faith? Or does He see a person overcome by doubt? Does He see a heart full of hope? Or does he see a heart full of cynicism? Who does God see when God looks at you? Have you ever known somebody so trapped by their past? So, so trapped by past fear, past failure, past hurt, that they just couldn't seem to move forward with their life? And it just seemed as though that, that by being trapped in those past experiences, it just, man, it just made their life seemingly so just sad and overwhelming. It didn't really matter what type of solutions you all tried to offer. They could give you half a dozen reasons why none of your solutions will work. You ever felt that way in your spiritual life? just kind of trapped. Like you're not moving forward. You feel kind of broken. Somewhat left behind. You know, a lot of times when we feel that way in our spiritual life, it can really be grounded in a couple different doubts that many of us experience from time to time. The first of which is, is God is not going to help someone like me. Have you ever felt like you just messed up so big? Whatever it was, you just messed up so big, there was absolutely no way that God would ever really forgive you. I mean, have you ever just just shattered your life to the point you sit there and you think there is no way that God could or would ever help put the pieces of my life back together again? you ever felt that way? You're not alone. And what I, I want you to know today, if you are feeling that way, if you're feeling like your past is so bad and something you've done is so bad that God would never help you to grow beyond that, I want you to know God sent His Son for you. 
That there is absolutely nothing in your past. There is nothing that you could have done. There is no broken... No, no, your life could not be broken so big that God can't put it back together again. That, that God can't help bring about reconciliation. That, that He can't help restore. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, and verse 17, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. You want to know who God won't help? God will not help those who refuse to acknowledge that they're broken. He won't. So as long as we sit here puffed up and prideful, acting as if we have no sin, will never be made well. You know who will help? Over and over again, God will help those of us who can acknowledge, yes, I fall short of the glory of God. I have sin in my life. I make mistakes. I struggle. I'm not who God wants me to be. And I know it. that's the starting place for us. There's another doubt though. Sometimes we think that there is nothing that God can do about my situation. Let me ask you, did you notice a moment ago in our text, did it strike you as odd that for whatever the reason, as Luke is recording Acts, he feels the need to tell us in three different ways that this man can't walk. He could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth. He had never walked. All in the same sentence. Seems rather redundant, doesn't it? Or, or is he making sure that we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this man is in an incurable situation? That he has always been crippled. He will always be crippled. And there's no help for him at all until until Paul brings Jesus into his life. And suddenly, suddenly the impossible becomes possible. Because you see, that's the thing about our God. We serve a God who can do the impossible. But, but do we believe that? Truly. Do we truly believe that our God can do the impossible. Well, it's really a question of faith. Do you have faith? I think what happens to us is we get faith and belief confused sometimes. They're two different things. You may believe that God exists. And that's really good. I'm glad you do. But that's just the beginning. It's not the end. You see, if you really have faith in God, then that's what can make us whole. That's what can make us well. That's what can ultimately bring about our redemption. It's through faith. So, so what does a person with faith look like? 
Well, I think the first thing we see here is that a person who has faith is someone who will do exactly what God tells them to do. Even if the request seems irrational in the moment. When Paul looked at this man, he's looking at a man who has never walked a day in his life. And what is it that Paul says to him? Stand upright on your feet. Again, he has never walked a day in his life. This is an irrational request. Because the Apostle Paul is talking to a man who's never walked and he says, stand up. But then this man, this man who had faith, I mean, he's really the one we're talking about here. We know about Paul's faith. That's, that's nothing surprising. This man, this man who has never walked a day in his life since he was born, this man who maybe you and I would think would say, that sounds really good. I really like the idea of that. Sir, I've never walked a day in my life. I don't know how. I don't know if I can. Could you help me up? Could you help steady me? Could you help balance me? Could you show me how? That's not what happened. This man of faith sprang up and began walking. Some translations there says he jumped up and started walking. That's faith. So maybe, maybe child of God, you believe in God, but you don't have the faith in God to jump when He says jump. Because when God tells us to jump, His expectation is we'll jump. When God says go, He means for us to go. When God says get up, He means for us to get up. So God says Jump! Confess your sin struggles one to another so that you might pray for one another. And we say, I don't know about that now. I don't know. Uh, I don't know that everybody really understands what I'm struggling with. Or God says, Jump! Seek help for, for the, the marriage problems you're going through right now. And we say, Ah! I don't know about that. I mean, it sure would be humiliating for other people to know the problems that we're having right now. God says, I want you to put everything, everything behind me. I want to be absolutely first in your life. You say, I don't know about that. That would really cause me to have to give up some things I'm not ready to give up. And, and I, I just don't know that I'm ready to do that just yet, Lord. So we believe He exists. That's good. But do we have the faith to jump? When He says jump. For others, people of faith will be those who will center their life on the living God. Go back to our text in verse 11. It says, when the crowd saw that what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, Paul Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gate and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Due to a local legend, the people there in Lystra believed that Paul and Barnabas were obviously gods. And considering what they had just witnessed, 
You can't really blame them. The, the legend basically went like this, that there was a time long ago when Zeus and Hermes had come to earth to check things out. And there was an elderly couple who showed them hospitality. That elderly couple was blessed, rewarded greatly. Everyone else who had not shown them hospitality, their homes were destroyed. Local legend. The people know this legend. So when they see what Paul and Barnabas have just done, and they see that this man that they know has never walked a day in his life just jumped up and started walking, they automatically go, hey, this must be Zeus and Hermes. They've come back. And we don't want to miss out on the rewards, and we certainly don't want to receive a curse. So let's sacrifice. Let's make an offering for them. And of course, that was the absolute last thing that Paul and Barnabas would have wanted. Because no glory for man. All glory goes to God. So the Bible tells us they tore their robes and they run out into the crowd and they say, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. We bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. We're still crippled. We're still crippled even though we've been coming together for worship for so very long. And why? Could it be? Could it be that we're still chasing the, the idols in our life that our brother David mentioned a moment ago as we were communing one with another? Could it be that we're, we're chasing after money and success and hobbies and experiences, all the temporary things of this life? We're, we're constantly chasing those things to fulfill us instead of really allowing God to be the center of our life? Really allowing Him to be in control? We believe in God enough to come together to worship. But do we have the faith to make God the living God truly center of our lives? You know, this is a day where we celebrate celebrate freedom. We celebrate this nation. We have a lot of wonderful things to celebrate. But we have a God who's even greater. We have a God who through His Son will truly set us free. If, if we have the faith to do what He says to do, no matter how irrational it may sound, and we have the faith to make sure that He is that one true living God, that, that He is the very center of our life. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you've never obeyed the Gospel of Christ. This is a day. You talk about a day to be set free. A day that you will always remember. This could be your day. If you will reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin, you can be set free. Now I know, I know when I say it, I know every time I say it, I think, that sounds like such a weird request. 
You want me to reenact the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus? Yes. Because that's what God wants. You want me to, to go down into that, that water? <sighs> yes. Because that's what God wants. Why? Because it's what God wants. It doesn't have to make sense to us. People of faith obey. Maybe you've done that. You were baptized at some point in your life. You believed enough to be baptized. But Christian, do you have the faith in your life right now that God wants you to have? A faith that, that pleases Him. A faith that... A, allows you to live your life in accordance with His will, where you obediently follow Him, making sure that there is nothing that comes between you and Him. Do you have the faith that will please God? And if not, why not? Real freedom. Real freedom is found at the cross. Real, everlasting freedom is found in Jesus Christ. Real freedom is found in faith. That no matter what the world around me may do or say or what direction they may go, I know, I know whose hands I'm in. If we can help you with that, or any need you might have, won't you come as we stand and sing?